and today we're going to do John chapter 2. Uh, last week we did, anybody remember? Five flat pancakes and two sardines? <laughs> God taking nothing and making something out of it. Multiplication by division. And it uh, seems like that's a very odd way to think of, of life. Is we give something away, and you divide something, how can it be multiplied? But, you know, whenever we share love and we share respect and we share uh, who we are with someone, even though we give it away, it never diminishes who we are, and it adds to what happens in someone else's life. And the same thing, it's very hard, but in the, in, the, in the same way, it's hard to imagine how God does that with our finances and how that, you know, we ask God to bless our gifts and we say, well, if I take so much out of my income, how is that going to be multiplied back to me? You know, our logic says it doesn't happen that way. But God says he gives back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So there are ways in which God has, can help us and divide what we seemingly divide, he ends up multiplying and becomes um, seed that is sown in his kingdom and in, his li and in the lives of uh, people, and it ends up challenging them and changing them. So we're grateful for those things. So John chapter 2, and reading from the Message Bible, and this is where obedience brings about change. Obedience brings about change. Three days later, there was a wedding in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were guests also. When they started running low on wine at the wedding banquet, Jesus' mother told him, They're just about out of wine, Jesus said. Is that any of our business, mother? Yours or mine? This isn't my time. Don't push me. She went ahead anyway, telling the servants, Whatever he tells you, do it. Six stone water pots uh, were there used by the Jews for ritual washings. Each held 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus ordered the servants, fill the pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. Now, fill your pitchers and take them to the host, Jesus said, and they did. When the host tasted the water that had become wine, he didn't know what had just happened, but the, uh, but the servants, of course, knew. He called out to the bridegroom, Everybody I know begins, their begins with their finest wines, and after the guests have had their fill, brings in the cheap stuff. But you've saved the best till now. This act in Cana of Galilee was the first sign Jesus gave, the first glimpse of his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, if we look at the end of those verses, verse 12, this act was the first sign Jesus gave, the first glimpse of his glory. Every time I conduct a wedding, I refer to this king of Galilee in that Jesus um, sanctified marriage with his very first act of turning wine, water into wine. And he was there at the presence of this very... Um, seemingly humble occasion, but yet a very significant occasion in the, in the life of this, uh, of this couple. Now, the wedding has its usual guests, you know, the, the bride and the groom, the family, uh, and also has Mary, the mother of Jesus, with Jesus and five of his disciples at this time. That's, all that he, that's, that's what the limit of his disciples were then, five. And so, they're probably, the thought is that they were probably relatives of Jesus, probably relatives of Mary, and that they had imbi been invited to this wedding as part of the family. 
you know, they received an invitation to be there. So the point that we look at today is that there was much provided, yet it was all spent. <laughs> there was a lot, you know, in preparations for weddings. Yesterday, we were, uh, was it yesterday? Someday, we were, I was sitting at Perkins. You know, I'm always at Perkins. But anyhow, I was sitting at Perkins, and there were um, this, cu this couple. There was just two women, two young women, and two guys, okay? Two guys were on one side and two women on the other side, and two guys never said a thing. They just sat there. And the ladies were planning some type of event. Tables and chairs and flowers. Now, whether it was a wedding or whatever, they were just going on and on, making phone calls, and the guys are sitting there. You know, their hands on their cheek, and they're just like, oh boy, why did we come to this? You know, and they were just sitting there. I don't know if they were planning a wedding or whatever, but any of you have ever planned an event know that it takes a lot of planning. You know, just like for a sports camp and so on. If something happens flawlessly, and sometimes it doesn't happen flawlessly, but when something happens flawlessly, there's been a lot of planning. When things come off just in an order sequence, there is a plan behind it. Things don't just fall into place. Now, like sermons and things like this, there's always an order. There's always, I always have plans and notes and so on. And sometimes they get all shuffled and dishuffled, but it comes together in the end. But you always have a plan. You always have a purpose. You always have a direction. And that's very important that we allow ourselves to have this and put it in place. So I can imagine that the same thing happened with this wedding in the Cana, in Cana of Galilee that they were planning the wedding. Well, we've got to have enough room for the guests. We've got to have enough to eat for the guests. Do we have drinks for the guests? And, you know, water at that time was not the best. Anybody ever see that, um, well, Back to the Future, in which he goes back to the West, and, uh, he, you know, his, his car, he falls down over the hill, hits his head, and he goes into his his grandfather's house, you know, and, the, and they pull out this pitcher of water and dump it in there, and it's just like mud, and he's drinking, he goes, he looks at it, and it's almost like, do you have bottled water? <laughs> so, when, you know, water in the Middle East and these places were, was um, very scarce, but what they had wasn't sometimes not the, the purest of the pure, but it would probably be taken from a well, and would be drawn out, and, and who knows whether it was of uh, what quality it was, or whether it's the bottom of the well, or whatever. But they knew that there was a provision for their, their drinking. Provision was there, so they would drink wine, and they had a lot of wine that would have been provided for this, for this wedding ceremony. So there was much provided, yet it was all spent. Can we identify with that? <laughs> There is much provided, and yet it is all spent. We look around us as not only as a congregation, but as a nation, as a community. Um, there is much given. We travel. I mean, we travel. Uh, travel different places. We, we go places. We, we go from here to Johnstown. We go from here to Pittsburgh. We go, you know, wherever. We travel a lot. We have heat when, the cold, when it's cold. We have food, we have water, we have clothing. There are things all around us. We have lots of stuff. And do we realize how much of the world's population don't e do not even have a third of what we have? 
And yet, there is much provided, yet it is all spent. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we spoke on 2 Corinthians 9, 8-11. through 11. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmers that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. <laughs> he is more than extravagant. He gives you something you can then give away which grows into a full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. So we are looking at what God has generously, extravagantly um, brought into our lives, and even whenever we take what we've got and put it in bags and give it to Goodwill, and we keep recycling it, all these things are important. And if we shop at Goodwill, we take it and we use it and we, what, take it back. And there are things that we continue to recycle and continue to reuse. And we're, what are we doing? We're allowing something to be given to us and then we give it away. Whether we go out and purchase it new or whether we go out and purchase it used, it's still that which is given to us. Because we're not the owners of anything. We are only stewards of it. Whether we own it or whether we rent it or whether we're here, somebody else is going to have it someday. So we are, the Bible says it's more than extravagant. The divine provisions of God have no limits. And the divine provision is never diminished. Divine provision is never diminished with use. So just like dividing the five loaves and two fishes, that it is not diminished with the division. It is multiplied. So, the negative side of extravagance is whenever we take it and say it's I, me, mine, you know, hoarding, that type of thing, that's the extravagance, the, the greedy needy, <laughs> that, uh, no, wasn't the greedy needy. Yeah, the wealthy who are greedy needy. That, that people will look at their wealth and say, you know, I've got to build bigger barns. That's the greedy needy of the wealthy. They're greedy and want more. But to have a lot, the extravagance of what God blesses us with is to have and to share and to grow. It is like seed to the farmer, that you continue to plant the seed and the seed reaps a harvest. You plant corn, you get one plant, one kernel, you get two ears. You know, you get hundreds of kernels of corn. So that is that extravagance that God places in our life. Well, this wedding is out of wine. Now, to us... Um, what would that be like? Running out of food? Running out of soda? Running out of water? Not having enough food for all the people that you invited? Somehow, it was miscalculated. And the wedding ran out of wine. Mary, the mother of Jesus, brings this need of the couple's attention to Jesus. Now, if this is a relative of Mary, relative of Jesus, that to run out of anything uh, at a wedding in those days was an unpardonable. I mean, it would be something that would be remembered as a characteristic against them for the rest of their lives. You know, you know so-and-so, they got married and they didn't plan ahead and they didn't plan and they ran out of food. Can you imagine going to a wedding and not having any food? <laughs> You know, and people would talk, and that would, be the, that would be the subject, you know, of the conversation. It would always be this disdain upon this couple's marriage. 
And in those days, that was very much um, a part of everything working out and everything being planned and everything being in place. You know, today it's, you know, well, you didn't plan, it's, you know, it's okay, no problem. Everything works out, just move on. Well, in those days, it wasn't such, it was, it was, a, it was a catastrophe. So Jesus, Mary brings this need of this couple. It wasn't that the people needed more wine. It was that this couple was going to be embarrassed. And it was going to leave a mark upon their life and upon their marriage. His response, though, is somewhat different. It's, it's one of those responses that somehow, he says, you know, in the, in the Message Bible, it says, is that any of your business, mother, yours or mine? Now, <clears throat> that's a hard phrase to, to interpret. Uh, there are about three or four different, that I found, interpretations of that, of, of that verse. Some think Mary was not thinking of the miraculous, but that she was trying to point this out to Jesus so that Jesus, whenever he could stand up or make an announcement, he could provide some uh, decent excuse so that this would not be a, a mark against the, the wedding, the, this couple, for the rest of their lives. So maybe she was looking at that phrase and that bringing it to his attention for that reason. Others have said, well, Jesus knew that later on in our time frame, there would be people who would pray to Mary and, you know, as if she were going to intercede on their behalf. And he is using this to kind of put in place that he is not, he, he is aware of the situation without Mary's advice. So we don't pray to Mary. Now that was, again, that was another commentary. Or we find that others believe she was looking for a miracle because she made no response to Jesus and no, rebuke to, no reply to his rebuke, but, he, but she instructed the servants to do whatever he requested. So here she is coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, your cousins here, somebody here, your relatives, have run out of wine. Now, that is... That is a mark against our family and against their family and everybody, and the whole village is going to know about this. Jesus says, don't worry about it. <laughs> Mom, don't worry about it. It's taken care of. That's the David McGee paraphrase. Mom, don't worry about it. It's taken care of. I already know. So the mother of Mary, a mother of Mary, the mother of Jesus says to the servants, okay, she leaves, Jesus goes over here, servants, I want you to know, Whatever he tells you to do, you do. I think that's very important because that sets in motion what Jesus is about to do. Mary puts things in perspective for the servants because Jesus is going to ask the servants to do something that, as servants, they could get in trouble for. And the trouble they could be in is they're going to give water out instead of the wine. And this is really going to be, you know, running out of wine is one thing, but replacing it with water is another. I mean, this is, you know, we have, we have cheapo, cheapo people here, you know. They are the bottom of the barrel people because they have run out of wine and they don't even have the courtesy to tell you they ran out of wine and they replace it with water as if we're not going to know these cheapskates. But 
You see, in our lives, we have much and we've spent. It's gone. And did you ever not pray about something because you felt that it's your fault that it's gone and you blew it, therefore you don't have the right to ask God for it? Did you ever, you ever think that when you prayed? I know I have. I mean, I've been blessed. We've been blessed. We've been blessed out of our socks, you know, with, you know, I have a John Deere tractor. <laughs> you know, why should I complain about a little back problem? You know, I have a John Deere tractor. I don't have to push my mower. I can ride around the yard, but it's too bumpy. So now I got to roll it out. You know, God, I need a roller. But you see, I mean, look at how many things you've prayed for. We have these bills, or we have this thing that we would like to purchase for somebody else, but you know our limitations. And so rather than looking to our divine provision, we look at our ability to provide and say it's not enough. And that's what I think the point of this, not, not the only point of this, of this scenario, but it's one of the points of this scenario that the people have lack because they spent what they had. Well, didn't they plan properly? They probably planned because there had to be a plan in place. Well, maybe more people showed up than what was supposed to be there. Anybody ever do that? <laughs> you know, send out invitations and, you know, you figure, well, the, the percentages say that 80% will show up and now but 100% showed up and you're in trouble. And we were planning on the 80 because that's what statistics show. Or everybody, the 80%, you know, 8 out of 10 said they were coming, and then all of a sudden more people came. You know, I knew you wouldn't mind. There would always be more. I brought my family. At the, it reminds me, we were at uh, the Chaplain's Convention in Springfield, Missouri. And... Uh, the Chaplain's Convention is just, it's really a great place. It's probably the, it's one of the best um, times that we have, I think we have, with, of anywhere. Because the chaplains, you have all the different chaplains, prison chaplains, military chaplains, hospital chaplains, rodeo chaplains, ra uh, NASCAR chaplains. I mean, you have every kind of chaplain you can imagine. Biker chaplains. You know, they even they have bikers that, you know, they buy, they buy Harley-Davidson's. I should have applied for that one. But anyhow, <laughs> they buy them Harley-Davidson's and they go to all these big rallies and they have, they are the chaplains at these rallies and they will pray or they set up their camps or their tents and people can come in and they can pray with people and the whole work. So there's all kinds of chaplains. Well, there was, this, there was these um, Spanish people there and he was a chaplain of some sort. And in, on the invitation it says, you know, family. So the, they were there to check in, and there was like 15 of them. <laughs> they brought the whole family. Well, you know, family, husband, wife, kids. Well, they were husband, wife, mother, mother, father of both sides, plus brothers and sisters. There was 15 or 20, and they were all going to check into one room, and they couldn't figure out why they wouldn't let them. <laughs> So they showed up and, you know, they were expecting that they should be able to get in. But the provision was not there. So they had to provide a couple more rooms for them. But there was this picture 
that contains water for the ritual washings. The ritual washings is that everybody who's coming in has to wash their feet, wash their hands. It's, you know, it's just part of the ritual washings that they had to go through. So these pitchers of water, 20 to 30 gallons, these containers were empty, and so Jesus tells the slaves, the servants, hey, go fill up the, these, these containers, these 20, 30-gallon containers, fill them up with water. What did they fill them with? They filled them with water. It was a common practice for these containers to be filled with water. So they would then took these containers that were empty, filled them with water. And then Jesus says, take and serve the host. <laughs> okay? Who's going to be first to take water out of the pitcher and take it to the host, dump water? You know what it is. It's water. And you're going to put it in the host pitcher in their, in their goblet or go, glass of some, and you're going to put that in there. Now, Jesus didn't say, okay, everybody, stand back. You are about to see a miracle. All right? I am going to change water into wine. <laughs> okay? He didn't, he didn't, there was no theatrics. There was only obedience. Now, whenever we don't have enough, because we have been given plenty and it's gone, do we do the theatrics? Oh, Lord God of heavens, creator of heavens and earth, take this money that I now put in the offering plate of the church and now multiply it so much more that when I get home I will have baskets full. I will have buckets full. I will have a closet full of money. <laughs> don't, don't you do that? You all come to our house, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we, but where is the theatric? Where is, see this was, in this miracle of drawing water out of the well, dumping it in the pitcher, dragging the pitchers into the house, taking out of the pitchers, putting it into the smaller pitchers, taking it over and dumping it into the glass of the individual, of the host, and the host drinking it. When does it change the wine? When does it change? Where is the transformation taking place? We don't know. See, we don't know. When does a transition take place in our lives? Whenever we, we, we belong to become. I read that this week too. We belong till we become. You see, you belong here. <laughs> well, I'm not a perfect Christian. That's okay. We're becoming. You belong here. There are many people that are not here today. They belong here. Well, they're not perfect. That's right, because we're still in the process of becoming. We're in a process of becoming the child that God wants us to be. 
We are in a process of taking the talents that we have and making them greater, developing them. We're, we're in a process. We see, we belong, and then we become. And Jesus is, is here in, in this wedding feast, this wedding celebration, and he belongs there. And while he's there, there is a miracle that becomes part of this wedding that, we refer, that I refer to, that's in the scriptures, that we refer to every time we marry, every, someone, every, every time someone is married. And, and it is a, a place where he belonged, but yet there was the coming of a miracle. And in our lives, we belong in a lot of places. At work, our families, our neighborhood, we belong there. But you belong here, too, as a church, part of the body of Christ. But belonging and then becoming. You know, sometimes we feel way above ourselves. We're in places that we seemingly is above us. High-crusted, that we talked about. (laughs) Upper crust, that's it. High-crusted, upper crust, you know. But we belong there. You know, uh, David this week, I think it was this week, last Sunday, he was at Willow Creek Church. And Willow Creek is, is John Heibel's church. And David did a presentation in the boardroom of Willow Creek. Okay? Now, Willow Creek is the, one of the largest churches in the United States. And David Michael did a presentation there to a missions board and potential contribute, contributors of, of million people who represent millions and millions of dollars of financial aid to organizations. And David is doing a presentation because the person who was supposed to do the presentation was sick and couldn't be there. So David filled in for the presentation. So, was he frightened? Yeah. <laughs> Did he belong there? Yes. But you see, Andy did her presentation for 14 young women in, in, in um, Somerset County. Well, was she, was she above? Yeah, it was a whole different stage, a whole different platform, a whole different arena of life that normally isn't open to just anybody. You have to qualify to get there. You have to qualify to be there. And then while you're there, you have to come to perform, as it were, to a whole different level. But you see, God has a way of taking us from where we are to where we need to be. And God can take us from where we start and how that we belong there, but yet that we become as we, as we belong. And this, this is a process. And where does the miracle take place? Does the miracle take place coming out of the well? Does it take place as we dump the water into the pitchers? And while they're in those 30-gallon 30, 30 containers, does that where the miracle takes place? Does Jesus, you know, touch it? <laughs> and is it, you know, or he doesn't, there's no theatrics, there's no prayer. There's no prayer. There is only obedience, and in the act of obedience, there is a miracle at the end. And that's the challenge to each of our lives. 
following the words, the instructions of Jesus, to do the right thing at the right time, and to belong, know that we belong to the kingdom of God, know that we belong to the family of God, and that God has a way in that belonging and in our obedience to bring about a miracle. Without any of the theatrics. There's not even a simple prayer. There is only the act of obedience. And that is the most common thing that we do. We get up. We go to work. Why? Because we have to. <laughs> we swipe the card. You know, to those of you who have card swiping mechanisms at your employment. And you swipe the card. And you are officially checked in. And you are on duty. And you set about to do your everyday work. So where's the miracle in all of this? Where's the transformation? The transformation is inside of us. The transformation is how that God does a work inside of us. And that as we look at the accumulated effects of everything that we do, servants get the water out of the well, dump it into pitchers in the 30-gallon containers, haul the containers in, take water out of the, out of the pitchers, dump it into the glass, and the guy drinks it. When does the miracle take place? Don't know. But we know that the best was saved to last. The best was saved to last. We know that when the host tasted the water that had become wine, he states, everybody know that we begin with the finest wines, and when the guests have had their full, bring in the cheap stuff. But you've saved the best till now. God's best is now. In his extravagance of transformation. In the extravagance of God's transformation, he takes the ordinary and changes it into something extraordinary. And so when we pray and when we touch people, when we talk to people, the compassion, the, the understanding, the, the, the challenge that we bring to people's lives, it is in these situations that God is at work taking the ordinary and making it extraordinary. He performs the miraculous in us where we belong to the process of becoming. Taking what we once were and making a new creation. When we live by his word, the word of his life transforms us. When we live by his word, our life is transformed. Well, we know that we give our life to Jesus. Okay, Now that we have changed, now that Christ is in our hearts, there is a transformation. When do I become perfect? <laughs> There's a long way for that. <laughs> but there is the transforming of the of who I am in this whole process of obedience. And as I am obedient to God, things change in me. When did you become so good? When did you become so high and mighty? When did you put on the religious air? Well, you know, that's a compliment. You know, I was just trying to be my ordinary self, and something happened in the process. 
the abundance from God, the extravagance in Christ's provisions, above all that we can ask or think. You see, this is the problem. We don't, even in our thoughts, we look at our thoughts, we say, oh my, I could never be that. I could never win, I could never, I could never win that, Miss Somerset, O-Y, what is it, O, 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 O-Y-W, I could never win that. Well, why not? Well, school. I could never be the top. What doesn't necessarily be, mean being the top top as in 100 of the top 100? It means that I am transformed in the process of becoming the miracle. And the miracle doesn't stop. The miracle doesn't stop. Just like the miracle at the wedding didn't stop when the wedding feast was over. It was remembered for that family long beyond them as individuals because it's remembered today. It's remembered in every wedding ceremony that people do as Jesus blessed the wedding in Cana of Galilee by his presence and turning the water into wine. We ask his presence to be part of this ceremony in the changing of two lives into one. It's still, the miracle is still going on. You see, God is at work in us. We come as his servants, obeying his word. Go fill the pitchers with water. Fill your life with the word of God in prayer. Dedicate your life to God where he takes the ordinary of life and changes it into the extraordinary. What you are worried about, God can take and say, as we walk in obedience to his word, we are not to worry, but in everything give thanks, because God is about to work a miracle. He is about to work a miracle in provision. He's about to make a miracle in change. He's about to make a miracle in our lives because he has touched our life and we are walking in obedience to him. As he took the five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000 men and, and plus women and children, as he, as he takes the water that has just been in obedience poured from one container to another, became the best wine of the evening. Divine provisions. We have a mission in our relationships, in our time, in our talents, in our finances, in the direction of our life, in our place of service, in our place of ministry, all are for one purpose, to glorify Christ. So we take what you have. I have an empty container. Well then fill it. Fill it with God's word, fill it with praise. Ask Jesus to bless it. Ask Jesus to take it. And as we seemingly divide it, it multiplies. As we seemingly pour it from one container to another, it changes. There was no theatrics. The miracle we need was driven. The miracles that were provided here were driven by the need of ordinary people in an ordinary situation in which they had taken their abundance and used it up 
for the needs of the people. And in that place, they found an extraordinary provision. Jesus turned water into wine. So here we are. Ordinary people in ordinary places in need of an extraordinary touch. And he has a way of changing us from the inside out. Amen? Shall we stand? <laughs> so you think I should pray that very theatrical prayer? Do you like that? <laughs> yeah? We can do the theatrics. You know, oh, God! You know, and do, you know, the performances. Or can we just do the, Jesus, bless this provision. Bless this meal that we are about to receive. Bless this gift that we are about to give. Bless this picture, you and I, this container that needs your spirit to fill it. Fill this container with your spirit to overflowing so that all that I speak to and all that I touch will receive a divine blessing from you. Take my ordinary and make it extraordinary as we walk in obedience to your word. Amen? Amen. God bless you.